With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, Cam. Yes, Alex. What's something what, What's something you have that that you can't live without? Like, what? what's an important invention as it pertains to the life of Cam Matthews? Ooh. Oh, okay. I will always say the most important invention for the South is air conditioning. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> it's not the heat. It's the, it's the humidity. Like, can you imagine having to go without air conditioning? Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, I can. Oh, no. <laughs> the house I just moved out of was built in the uh, in the early 50s. Fine. So but be- so between shoddy ductwork and just bad air conditioning system, uh, summers were a real treat. Uh, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> like for me, I'm I'm a very stream of consciousness kind kind of guy. Like I have I have good thoughts and bad thoughts and just lots of them. So I have to write stuff down constantly. Um, so in my opinion, the best the best invention uh, of the last 100 years has to be the the dry erase board. I mean, it's it's just it's just remarkable. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chatting Average Podcast with your hosts, Riley's Rakes and the Big Chop Man. Welcome to your friendly neighborhood Atlanta Braves podcast. Welcome to Chatting Average. I'm your host, Alex, joined as always by the Aussie to my Ronnie, Mr. Cam Matthews. How you doing today? What? Shaking, bacon. Oh, not too much. Not too much. How's your week been going? Good, man. Good. Uh, really busy, but doing well. Getting excited for opening day baseball this week. We get real Woo! baseball games, Alex. Oh, my God. This time next week, we're going to be talking about regular season Major League Baseball games that already happened. Hell, we have some games to preview this week. Yes, it's here. Guys, the wait is over. Yeah. Three days till baseball starts. And I'll be I'll be honest with you. I really hadn't started getting excited till like this week. I don't know if like the past year has taught me to mold my expectations about things because you never know what's going to happen or what. But finally, I kind of looked up and realized, hey, baseball, that's yeah. starting on Thursday. I've had other things going on, so I it, it literally didn't hit me until like 30 seconds prior to hitting record. Yeah, because I was like, hey, we got to preview the opening series. And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to that. Hey, Alex, uh, what are you drinking tonight? Um, I am drinking a, uh, I got a peach margarita. Hey, how about that? pretty damn tasty. Did, uh, did you make it yourself, or is it kind of a store-bought mix situation? Or Yeah, what? so really, uh, uh, really nice recipe I used. Okay. Um, 
I opened the refrigerator and pulled out the bottle of peach margarita. Um, and then I put ice in a glass and then I poured from that bottle. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, some have called me the mixologist of a generation. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. So, <laughs> so you're more of a, um, oh, by the way, I'm drinking Miller Lite tonight. So a beer for the working man. Um, <laughs> So you're so you're more of a margarita on the rocks kind of guy. Oh, hundred percent, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah, I, me too, me too. And I don't, and, and that is, there's a very specific reason for that. That's because I bartended for a while, and yeah. I, I feel like pretty much anyone who's bartended and had to clean out frozen drink machines <laughs> has evolved beyond the desire for frozen drinks. Right. Yeah. I can see that. And like, there are just, there are some things that I have a hard time bringing myself to order in restaurants uh, just because of my own experience with those things. So frozen drinks is one of them. Uh, Oysters is another. Um, I've had to shuck thousands upon thousands of oysters and, and it's, it sucks. I'm not, I'm not a fan. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that. I do enjoy a good uh, margarita on the rocks. Oh yeah. I, in fact, it, whenever whenever I think of uh, margaritas, I always think of our um, my wife and I's honeymoon. So we went to the Beha- to the Bahamas on our honeymoon, right? And one of the things that we did uh, one day we were down there is that um, we we paid to have access to a, a private beach, which it was like limited access. So there were maybe I don't know 50, 60 people on this entire pretty good sized beach so it wasn't overly crowded um all food and drink was included that day when you were out at the beach so because of that guy would walk by ask you if you wanted a margarita or a pina colada and i told him margarita about uh, each of the seven times that he rolled by my chair <laughs> so <laughs> all day long you know he's bringing us drinks back and forth and then we stop and um we, we have a, a nice lunch out there, um, that, that sort of thing. They had, like, a huge buffet spread, you know, underneath this little pavilion uh, where they had, like, jerk chicken and, and, like, pineapple and rice and, you know, a bunch of, bunch of really nice stuff, right? Eat lunch, go back to the chair, more margaritas. And then I remember, oh, yeah, I've got a cigar in my bag. Cigar sounds really nice. I'm sitting on a beach in paradise right now, right? Yeah. Light, light up my cigar. And I'm I'm living the dream, brother. I get about halfway through that cigar, and then we hear somebody on a megaphone say, "The tram will be leaving in 15 minutes." <laughs> and I realized sounding exactly like uh, the 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 audio on every train I've ever been on. Yep, yep. So I realize, crap. I'm like barely halfway through this very nice cigar, which, you know, for those of you that might smoke cigars, some can take you up to 45 minutes to an hour to properly smoke, sometimes even longer, right? So in my, you know, infinite wisdom and my margarita drunken state, I decided to freight train that bad boy as we make our way back oh, to God. the tram. <laughs> and so the, I, feel and, like and I, I already know how this story ends. So I say tram, but th- that's actually not the proper word. It was actually a double decker bus that they were taking us 
back and forth from the, sh- the cruise ship that we were on to the beach, right? And so I, I finish out my cigar. I get it put out and everything, dispose of it, climb up onto the double-decker bus, feel like a hundred bucks until we get through that first curve on the way back to the cruise ship. And I'm almost certain that my face was as green as an Oakland A's jersey. <laughs> Luckily, I was sitting by a window, uh, never got sick, but it did help to have a cool breeze on my face. And I promptly got back to the cruise ship, went back to our room and uh, passed out for about an hour. And then I was great. I was good to go. <laughs> so, yeah, that was one day on my honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, uh, speaking of food and drink, Alex. Yes. Did you happen to see the poll that I put up last week? I did see your poll. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> hang on. Hang on. Hey, 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 hey. Huh. Shut up. Sorry. I just said that. Uh, family friendly here on Chatting Average. All right. Uh, I put up a poll on Friday night, and I asked what your favorite simple ballpark food was. And I put simple in quotations, my thought being that a simple ballpark food is you order it, here's how it comes, it's either prepped and ready to go, requires no extra work, um, you know, isn't necessarily a meal, more so of a snack more than anything. That was my thought. So the options were peanuts, popcorn, Chips and cheese or other. So Alex, out of those, what what is your favorite simple ballpark food? Out just out of those. Well, I mean you've got an other option, so you can expand on that. Um, I mean I'm going other and saying hot dog. Okay, so I, I had a lot of people saying, why isn't hot dog an option? So I, I look at hot dog as more of a ballpark meal and not a snack. Does that okay. make sense? Okay. Because, like, then the hot dog, you know, you can add different condiments and toppings to it. Like, it could require additional work. I'm talking okay, about – Okay, 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 okay. I'll, I'll change my answer then. Okay, okay. Um, I will say what you should have said and <laughs> say nachos. Okay. Uh, because I've been to, I've been to many a ballpark, and okay. uh, never once have I looked up at the menu and seen chips and apostrophe cheese. Okay. Not look, once. Look. Okay. Okay. I Ever. didn't say I didn't. Okay. I didn't say nachos because nachos could be subjective, and people are not as well-traveled as you are, sir, so I didn't want people assuming that when they saw nachos, that meant, like, meat and cheese, or meat and salsa, Directly and pepper. towards the ballpark that has chips and cheese on the menu. Okay, Alex, I didn't say that it, that's what it's called, I was just breaking it down to its simplest form, and I didn't say plain nachos either, because that could also infer meat and cheese. I'm talking about round tortilla chips, cheese goop, plastic tray. Right, nachos. Okay, sure. But if somebody else hears nachos, that's not... I was making sure that you understood exactly what I was talking about. Well, then you should have said, like, uh, like puffed kernels or something to just make sure that nobody... No, because people know what popcorn is! Well, people might add ranch seasoning or other things, and you know, if they add stuff, it doesn't count. Jesus Christ! (laughs) 
I'm never doing a poll on Twitter again. <laughs> never again. I win the troll poll. Okay, whatever. I will say, there was one answer that I didn't think about when I made the poll, but actually I thought was a really good answer because I enjoyed this one too. How about a nice soft pretzel? Oh, great answer. Like, that is a tremendous ballpark yeah. food. A good good soft pretzel with some mustard? Like, I'm, I'm a happy camper. So you do so if you get a soft pretzel somewhere you go salty and not not sweet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, I, I, go. I have never understood the sweet thing. Like that's not I get it. I I mean it yeah. makes sense cuz it, it's similar to popcorn cuz you can go sweet or salty on right. too. And it's and it's essentially a twisted bagel more or less. Right. I mean right. think about it. It's it's a similar dough, similar process of of cooking. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I don't know. I'm I'm more I'm more of a savory guy anyway. So like salted pretzel, some mustard. That's what I've always said about you. Or yeah, I know. Very very salty. You know me, old old salty Cam Matthews, just mad at the world about everything. But but yeah, I, I thought that was a really fun poll, especially with uh. It was fun. It was fun when everyone on Twitter put you on blast for saying chips and cheese and not nachos. Hey, but you know what? I got great engagement out of that poll. By God. <laughs> So, oh, so now you're the now you're the the freaking Colin Cowherd of this podcast. You're just you're just throwing ridiculous stuff out there to get engagements. Oh, for sure, for sure. Just wait. I'll just I'll I'll just say something later this week just to get engagement. Ronald Acuna has an objectively long swing. <laughs> when I when I look at a guy like Bryce Harper who has that it factor, you see. That's, that's the best. Don't even don't even start. Colin Cowherd, I got. We can't. We don't. We don't even joke about that. <laughs> I know. I know. Ugh, mercy. Hey, uh, I watched a really cool documentary last week on Netflix called Ooh. called The Last Blockbuster. Okay. It is about the last blockbuster store in some little town in Oregon. I've heard about that because there, like, it, there's one. There's one. There is one blockbuster that's still open and running. Yep. Right. Yep, that is correct. So, uh, basically, it, it's a neat little documentary. It kind of goes into the history of why movie rental stores actually began back in the, I think it's either very late '70s or, or very early '80s, of why you know video rental stores started and then how Blockbuster actually started and how big of a conglomerate it actually became and, and that sort of thing. And then why it actually had its downfall, which believe it or not, they swear up and down is not because of Netflix, that there were other business decisions behind the scenes that kind of led to Blockbuster's downfall, plus the economy collapsing in 2008 and whatnot. But it, yeah, it's a really cool documentary. It got a lot of famous faces in it, but it's so cool because this Blockbuster is like family owned, family run in uh, the town is Bend, Oregon. And uh, it's, I don't know, it's just really cool. And it's a good little deep dive into nostalgia, especially like for our generation, because we're kind of the last generation that grew up renting movies. That's true. You know, like, like my, my daughter will never know what it's like to go to a store on a Friday night and rent a stack of movies for the weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. But like, so were, were you guys were you guys a movie rental family growing up? 
Uh, I mean, I personally was. Um, okay. Occasionally, we'd go as a family. Um, but my the neighborhood that I grew up in backed up to a little strip mall. Okay. It was like the, the end of our neighborhood and then probably 50 yards of woods. And then there was this little strip mall that had... You know, gas station, grocery store, a couple of restaurants, insurance salesmen. And then there was a place called Video Park. And that was our our local uh, movie rental spot. Okay. And this, this would have been like probably 98, 99. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about. And, and we'd go in there and for like two or three bucks, you could rent a movie and then get it for four or five days and... Go return it and swap them out for something else. Yeah, so we had um, I th- I'm pretty sure our town had a blockbuster at one point, but I th- I swear I think it closed before any of the other stores did. Um, we there we had a we had a chain briefly. I think it was called like Video Wizard or something like that. But then it got <laughs> it got bought out by Movie Gallery. Um, oh yeah. So so it became a movie gallery, and then the other one that we had that was in town the longest was um Hollywood Video. Um, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, I mean, they were probably like the second largest chain, right? Behind Blockbuster? I think so. Yeah, ha- had to have been, because I, I feel like that was the more common one like you saw growing up, you know, in different places and, and whatnot. But but yeah, we, we rented movies a lot growing up. Like, Friday night, a lot of the time for us was uh, you go to town. Well, actually, so growing up, the the movie gallery was right beside um a Papa John's so like we get pizza and then we step next door and rent a movie or or three for the weekend and like that was our Friday night like oh, I yeah. have very distinct memories of that but like I don't know it's just something of like a bygone era that like our kids will not understand at all no no and um but before I uh, I get into my little story uh. When you mentioned that the last blockbuster was in Bend, Oregon, uh-huh. uh, something popped that sounded really familiar, that town. So I, I started looking it up, and uh, a friend of the show, Oregon Braves fan, lives in Bend. Oh, no so, way! Yeah, so so if... Uh, oh, snap! If, okay! So, Oregon Braves fan, if you're listening to this this episode, uh, please call in to the, uh, the Chatting Average hotline and... Tell us uh, about any experience you've had with the last blockbuster. I'd be very interested to to hear what what that's actually like in the year 2021. Yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, it's really. I mean, they just they're still fully operational, just like you know any blockbuster would have been in the past. You know, they have current, up to date movies in there. Um, you know, they they keep a rotating stock. Like it's it's really really cool, and it's become like a tourist de- destination as well. Like people, oh, I'm sure, yeah. I, people, if, if I were in that area, I would make it a point to go there for sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, I would. For but yeah, sure. like the, when, the first thing that comes to my mind when you tell me, uh, when, when you talk to me about uh, video rental is, so like I said, there was that, that, that video rental place near my neighborhood me and all my friends from the neighborhood, um, we would just go kind of hike through the, the woods to get to uh, the video rental place. And we'd go hang out there and see what all they had. And in the back corner, they had an entire wall 
of of VHS copies of old wrestling pay-per-views. Yes! Okay. And, and that was how I became a professional wrestling fan. Because we'd go and we'd get, like, early 90s Royal Rumble VHSs and, and watch Yokozuna and, and old, you know, wearing purple Undertaker Heck uh, yeah. matches. It was, that, that is... That's the one distinct memory I have of of uh, renting movies. Yeah, so uh, our stores had a, like a had a small wrestling section as well, and that's how I got to know about WCW. Because despite growing up in uh, Crockett territory, basically, um, we were a WWF house. Because my dad thought Steve Austin was like the coolest thing ever. Well, um, he like, was right. He he was like to this day, my dad will tell you that wrestling was at its greatest when Steve Austin was on top. And this is a guy who grew up watching. I don't w- think a lot of people would argue with him. There. No, no. And this, but this is a guy who grew up watching like Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair in NWA. Yeah. And but his thing is, as an adult, he watched Steve Austin and said, "That's the biggest wrestling is ever going to be." And he's probably not wrong. Yeah. But so yeah, I didn't I didn't see you, a whole lot was, of. It was the rare period of time where the weird person was the one who didn't watch wrestling. Oh, yeah. Like from rest- like from like 98 to 2002 or three. Like yeah, you, you, it, it were, was... you were the oddball if you weren't super into wrestling at the time. Yeah, it, it was never more culturally significant than it was during that time period. But like I said, it, we didn't we didn't watch WCW. So that's how I learned about like. Sting and really how I learned about Ric Flair and how I learned about Hogan, because by the time I was born, he had already left WWF. So I never knew Hulk Hogan in WWF. I only knew him from WCW, as crazy as that sounds. So, so yeah, like, yeah, I, I remember wrestling tapes at, at video stores, too. That's that's good times. Good stuff. Absolutely. Well, uh that does it for this past week. What do you say we look at years past and do some This Week in Baseball history? Let's do it. If you or someone you know has a small business, you need to check out the creators of ChattingAveragePodcast.com, Goat Web Design. These guys have everything you need to get your small business up and running with an awesome online presence. They'll create your mobile and desktop-friendly website quickly and affordably with responsive service, and most importantly, it'll look amazing. Check them out on Twitter, at Goat Web Designs, on Instagram, at Goat Web Design, or on the internet at GoatWebDesigns.com, and tell them the guys from Chatting Average sent you. All right, we're going to jump into this week in baseball history. As always, you can find these facts at nationalpastime.com. I'm and leaving we- that I'm leaving that beer crack in there, by the way. Good, I'm glad. <laughs> the week we're going to be looking at is March 29th through April 4th. Our first fact comes to us from March 30th, 1993. After 43 years... Peanuts character Charlie Brown finally hits a home run, a game-winning round-tripper batting against his nemesis Royanne Hobbs. Almost 10% of the nearly 18,000 Peanuts comic strips created by Charles Schultz focused on baseball. <laughs> so there you go. That's awesome. Char- Charlie Brown finally, finally gets him one. Did he ever make the field goal, though? I doubt it. I don't think he ever actually kicked the football. 
Well, I don't know if if uh, if John D. Howard happens to be listening to this podcast. He probably knows that dude's like a peanuts fanatic. Is he really? I was, yeah, I, I wasn't yeah, aware of that. I, I think he genuinely is. Yeah, like he he knows the history of the peanuts pretty well. It seems, which is cool. The, the peanuts are cool. All right, our next fact comes to us from April first, two thousand and five. Albert Pujols does not strike out in any of the 21 Cardinals spring training games. In his 68 plate appearances, the St. Louis first baseman finishes the exhibition season with a 458 batting average, six homers, and 20 RBI. Huh. 68 plate appearances without a strikeout. Like, I understand that it's spring training, but that's still bananas. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fairly impressive. Uh, yeah, very, very impressive. Is it... People younger than us, like, I don't know, teenagers right now who are about to watch Albert Pujols retire, are they missing out on how big of a deal he actually was? Tyler, call the show. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you're 12 years old. Let us know, uh, what you think about Albert Pujols. I mean, first ballot Hall of, ba- Hall of Famer should be unanimous when he gets voted in, since that's a thing now. Oh, without a doubt. Like, if he's not unanimous, I'll, I might be a little upset about that, because I don't know how you look at his career and think he's not I worthy mean, of the Hall there of was, Fame. There was a period of time where he was overshadowed by by the the craziness that was Barry Bonds. Um, yeah. That That's really the only thing I can think of that might keep him from being unanimous is that he wasn't the the most feared batter in baseball for for a significant portion of his, his career because a lot of that paralleled Barry Bonds. True, but I mean once once Barry retired though, I mean Albert for a number of years was arguably the purest hitter in the game. Oh, absolutely. I like I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't they, disagree they, with you at all, but I mean, uh, they call just... him the machine for a reason. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All I right. Think the, I think the order of succession went Barry Bonds, Albert Pujols, for a period of time, Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I would definitely. I mean, the last Triple Crown winner. And who I, did it go straight to Mike Trout after Cabrera? Um. Yeah, I would say so, because even the, that season that Mike Trout didn't win the MVP, wasn't that the season that Miguel won the Triple Crown? <laughs> like, that's like the one reason Trout didn't win MVP. Yep. Sounds because some, right. somebody had to do something historic to take it from him. Right. Yeah. So. All right. Uh, speaking of historic, our next fact comes to us from April 2nd, 2007. For only the fourth time in Major League history, a hurler under the age of 21 wins an opening day assignment when 20-year-old Venezuelan right-hander Felix Hernandez pitches eight strong innings in the Mariners' 4-0 victory over the A's at Safeco Field. Fernando Valenzuela of the Dodgers was the last pitcher not of age, quote-unquote, to accomplish the feat, beating the Astros 2-0 in 1981. So, similar to Albert Pujols, Folks younger than us, are they going to realize how big of a deal uh, King Felix was? I hope so. It's like legitimately how good he was. 
this this has been said and and rehashed over and over and over again but he god imagine if he had been on even a decent team rather than the the Mariners teams that he was stuck on yeah like he was he was the best pitcher on the planet for a pretty significant period of time and he and at the end of the year his record would be like 500 yeah yeah, that, I mean that's that's going to be the thing that he'd allow one run and lose every game. <laughs> hang hang tight to that thought because we have something about that coming up. <clears throat> All right, our next fact comes to us from April third, two thousand and eight. During a tour of Fenway Park, a three and a half pound red tail hawk known to nest at the historic ballpark attacks a Memorial Boulevard middle school student, the thirteen year old from Bristol, Connecticut who is treated for a small scratch on her scalp at a local hospital, has a familiar name to Red Sox fans, Alexa Rodriguez, similar to the much-detested third baseman of the Yankees, who is also 13. Oh, no. How have I not heard this story? I totally just set off my Alexa by saying her name. (laughs) (laughs) And and I'm sorry you're going to have to censor this, but that just scared the shit out of me. I didn't know what voice I was just hearing. Oh. Alexa, stop. That's great. Good Lord. Yeah, so uh, this poor Rodriguez girl was attacked by a hawk. And and I just, I, I haven't heard this story before, but I just know that Red Sox fans were like, well, the, the bird knew that she had a name close to Alex Rodriguez. Hey, I wonder if Mayor Lobster will call in and, and let us know about this story next week. You know, I think we have Mayor Lobster on the line right now. Hold on just a second. Yeah, hello, hello, hello. Mayor, so good to hear from you. Is it, though? <laughs> uh, uh, yes, this is, uh, this is Mayor, Mayor Lobster. Why are you laughing, you schmuck? <laughs> Jeez. <coughs> Getting oh. me to come on this podcast and you act like that. What's wrong with you? <laughs> anyway, you guys wanted me to come on and talk about this young girl attacked by a hawk at Fenway? Serves a right. <laughs> anyway. I just want to go to Boston and run into one person who talks just like that. We all talk like this. <laughs> Anyway, oh I gotta God. go. Bye bye. <laughs> Boy, that was weird. Cam, where'd you go? We had Mayor Lobster on the line. I don't know. My internet crapped out. It was weird. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh man. I, are you still listening? Have you have you have you cut the podcast off yet? I can't wait till the next London series when the mayor of London comes on the show. Oh man, that'd be great. That'd oh, be that'd be a huge guest for us. <laughs> All right, our last fact comes to us from April April fourth, twenty sixteen. Although he limits the Rangers to just one hit, Mariner right-hander Felix Hernandez loses for the first time on opening day snapping a streak of six victories to start his team's season. 
Seattle had come had had the opportunity to become the first franchise in modern baseball history to win 10 consecutive season openers. But sloppy defense allows three runs in the fifth inning of the club's three to two defeat at two Texas at Globe Life Park. <laughs> so Felix loses that game through no fault of his own. Just allows allows one hit. Oh, my God. That might the, be. That's that's the story of his whole career. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that might be the most Mariners thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. Yikes. Well, anyway, that has been this week in baseball. Wait, 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 wait. We're not done yet. Right. There was one that we missed last week. Oh? Yes. Okay. Do tell. On March 20th, in the year 2020... Two guys, born in the late 1900s, decided they were going to start a podcast. And the Chatting Average podcast debuted. It's oh. our one-year anniversary, guys. <laughs> hey, we didn't give up after before a year passed. <laughs> and to commemorate this special occasion, I wrote us a song. You ready? Yes. <clears throat> Summary. Okay, never mind. Oh, God. <laughs> That's been this week in baseball history. Do with that useless knowledge what you will. All right, guys, we will be right back to preview the AL and NL East divisions and take a look at the Braves' opening series of 2021. Hey, do you or someone you love have a beard that could use a little TLC? Well, we've got some good news for you. We here at the Chatting Average Podcast have hooked up with an ambassador for a brand for just about any man, the Beard Struggle. These guys are celebrating all that is man by providing some of the best products around to get your beard ready for the big leagues. They've got everything from beard oils to balms to combs and tons of other great stuff that is perfect for getting your facial hair looking great. Check them out today at thebeardstruggle.com and use promo code AVERAGE15, that's AVERAGE15, to take 15% off of your first order, compliments of the Chatting Average podcast. All right, with just a few days left until the start of the 2021 Major League Baseball season, it is time for us to take a look at the offseason had by the American League and National League East divisions. We will start as usual with the last place finishers from each division, move our way to first. So we will be starting with the AL East and the last place Red Sox. They finished with a 24 and 36 record and did a little bit in the offseason. Uh, brought in guys like Danny Santana, Marwin Gonzalez, Garrett Richards, Hunter Renfro, and Adam Ottavino, uh, but also had some pretty notable, notice, noticeable losses with Andrew Benintendi, Jackie Bradley Jr. and Jose Peraza. Yeah, so fun fact, did you know that the Red Sox lineup had the best batting average collectively in the majors last year? Shut up. They did. But they also what? had one of the worst pitching staffs in all of baseball. That that doesn't even sound right. So offense wasn't necessarily the issue last year. They just had no pitching. And I'm not too sure that they did enough this offseason to counterbalance that. Um, Chris Sale is still a big question mark. Who knows if he's actually even going to be ready for this year. So I I think they do better. I don't think they finish in last. Um, but I don't know if they're by any means a 
fringe playoff contender either. Sorry, no, no, sorry, 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 Goldberg. I, I am going to go out on a limb here. Uh, I'm going to make uh, make make one of the bolder predictions that I've made on this show. Okay. So last year, the Red Sox won 24 games. Okay. I think they will exceed that total this year. Ooh, hot take. Yeah. Yeah. See, we, we really screwed up. The Pirates uh, may not, though. That's true. We really <laughs> screwed up by letting Mayor Lobster off the line before we started talking about the Red Sox. I, I think Mayor Lobster's in bed. I don't think he's coming back. Tonight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's a he's a tough get. Like, <laughs> he's a very very busy guy. You know, he really is. <laughs> Moving on to the fourth place finishers from 2020, uh, the Orioles. That's right, the Boston Orioles finished ahead of somebody uh, with the, a 25, the, <laughs> the 25 and 35. Did I say Boston Orioles? You did. God. It was a big margarita. The Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> the, I mean, at this point, they kind of blend together. Yeah. Um, the, the the Baltimore Orioles finished 2020 with a 25 and 35 record. Uh, they added the likes of Michael Franco, uh, Matt Harvey, uh, which is a name you're hearing in 2021, Felix Hernandez, and Adam Plutko. And lost Alex Cobb and Jose Iglesias. That's a pretty rough offseason, if you ask me. Yeah, well, I, I think just today, too, uh, Jose Fernandez, or Jose, wow, wow. 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 Felix Thank, Her, thank Felix. you for not allowing me to have the goofiest mess up of the Orioles preview. Felix Hernandez. Asked for his release this afternoon. So did he, he really? He did. So he is now a free agent looking for a team. So there's one off the list for Baltimore. I, they're they're going to be bad. They're going to be the worst team in the AL East again. Um, no real end in sight for this quote-unquote rebuild. I I don't know. Uh, I think Matt Harvey is already pinned as their um, second game starter. Number two starter. That's it. Matt Harvey. So, when Matt Harvey is your second best starter, I think that says a lot about your team. Yes. And uh, Anthopolis, bring King Felix home. <laughs> he pitched like one game for us last year. It was, <laughs> it was spring training. Bring him home. Braves legend Felix Hernandez. I do wonder if there's anybody out there that bought a Felix Hernandez jersey. No, they wouldn't have because it was it was just a minor league deal. It wasn't even a major league offer. He was going to make the major league team. Uh, yeah, con considering where that rotation was last year, he absolutely was. Well, the rotation was in bad shape, but he was... Let's not forget that in spring training for the Braves last season, Felix Hernandez was pitching out of his mind. He was doing pretty well. He yeah. was pitching the best that he'd pitched in... Probably two or three seasons. Heck, he pitched the very first spring training game last year. Yep. He sure did. And I would like you go back and listen to the early episodes of, of chatting average. I was, I was very high on Felix Hernandez entering the, uh, the 2020 season. I do recall that. Yep. Yeah. Sad day. Womp yeah. womp. Yep. All right. Moving on to the third place finishers with a record of 32 and 28. The Toronto Blue Jays 
made a nice run last season, losing in the wild card series to the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, and they have decided that they are ready to make some moves. They brought in Marcus Simeon, George Springer, Tyler Chatwood, and Steven Matz in the offseason, losing Jonathan Villar, Taiwan Walker, and Ken Giles probably being their most notable notable loss. Uh, Ken Giles, a guy who I really wanted the Braves to pick up for the bullpen a season or two ago. Um, yeah, kind of kind of tough sledding for their bullpen. But that lineup is is one that should be feared. Yeah, I I have high expectations for this Blue Jays team. Um, despite being very young, they, yeah, that that lineup's scary. Um, don't I I know that they made they made the playoffs last year, obviously because it, it was expanded. They and they made the wild card and and they they looked very much out of their league against the Rays um, in that wild card series. But a year makes a big difference, and I foresee them probably being a wild, tar- wild card team again this year, but I think they're going to put up a little bit more of a fight this time around. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I still have the Rays and the Yankees being numbers one and two with a bullet, regardless of, of which one you think is which. Uh, but I, I could easily see the Blue Jays giving those two teams trouble. Yeah, yeah. I I I, I think the top three in that division is just going to be just a merry-go-round for at least the first few weeks. You know, the Blue Jays could very well start out in front, and then they're going to flip-flop. Like it, it it's going to be a it's going to be a fun first few months before one of these teams, probably Tampa, settles into the first place position. But nonetheless, I think it's it's going to be a fun uh, fun division to watch. I couldn't agree more. The uh, moving on to the Yankees, they finished in second place in 2020, a game ahead of the Blue Jays at 33 and 27. Uh, made it to the American League Division Series, losing to the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, they brought in Corey Kluber, Jay Bruce, Darren O'Day, and Jamison Tyone, and Really only lost a few guys in Tommy Canley, Masahiro Tanaka, James Paxton, and J.A. Happ. Uh, really like the moves the Yankees made this this offseason. And, you know, I, I feel like we say this every single year for the Yankees. But if, if these guys can stay healthy, I, I think they're a team on par with the Dodgers. Yeah, I, I think I think health is just is like you said is just the biggest question for them. Um, e- even now, Aaron Judge has missed what three spring training games in a row. I haven't exactly seen what the deal is. I, I saw that it was some sort of an illness, not not an injury. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, but but even even still, it's a, it's a long season and. The injury bug seems to somehow find this team one way or the other each and every year. So it really does. Health health is going to be the biggest thing is when this team is healthy, man. They they are just they could be world beaters. They really could. And you know, it pains me to say that about the Yankees, but it's true. So I I, I think it's going to be a dogfight between the Yankees and Rays, but I I still think the Rays have it. I I think if and this is a massive if. If Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton can stay healthy, 
I think the Yankees don't just win the division, but they run away with it. Um, well, d- define healthy. I mean, are we talking 150 games, 140 yeah. games? Yeah, uh, I, I'd say 130 plus. Yeah. Which is crazy because I don't think that's happened yet between those two. I, I don't think so. Yeah. They may they may have gotten it from one or the other, but certainly not from both. No, no. It's always been something with one of them since Stanton came to New York. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's I, I, I am going to stop short of feeling bad for the New York Yankees. Oh, no. Um, but it, it is unfortunate that, that you bring in guys like that and, and you just don't get to see them both on the field consistently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, say what you want about them. Those guys are entertaining to watch. Oh, oh, for sure. When, when, when they're both healthy, they're they're hitting balls that I've, I've never seen hit so far. Some of the spring training home runs that judge hit. Are, are just just mind-blowing. Indeed, they are. All right, rounding out the American League East, we are going to talk about the Tampa Bay Rays. They finished 2020 in first place with a 40-20 and 20 record and only lost to the Dodgers in the World Series. Won the AL pennant last year, had a fantastic team. Did have some turnover, though. They they did manage to bring in guys like Colin McHugh, Rich Hill, Michael Walker, and Chris Archer to bolster their rotation, uh, while losing Hunter Renfro, Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, and Nick Sogard. I, this team's still really good, and they're really good based on a bunch of guys that you don't know. <laughs> like, I... I I don't know if there's a single team better in the league for player development than the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, They can, they can take, you know, a barely above average player and hone whatever he is best at and just develop it to unreal levels. Like don't be surprised when Rich Hill has a sub three ERA in July. Right. Uh, like, I mean, that, that's that's what this team does. They figure out a way to make every single guy on that roster successful at what they're best at. Yeah. And I, I mean, the 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 guys that I mentioned, Colin McHugh, Rich Hill, Michael Walker and Chris Archer, all of those guys are capable of being very, very good pitchers. They haven't done it consistently lately, but but they're capable. So. Uh, I, I mean, this this is going to be a true test of of the Rays coaching staff and development system to see if they can squeeze the last bit of juice out of those guys to to make another run like they made last year. Yeah. And and honestly, on the offensive side of things, I, I you know, they still got most of their weapons there. Um it's still, you know, a pretty potent offense, gets on base, scores, runs, you know, type of situation. The bullpen is still excellent, it appears. I I think they're just – the Rays are a very different breed of team, but golly, are they hard to beat. Yeah, yeah, I, it'll, it'll be interesting. I'm – for my money, I'm, I'm still – I'm taking the Yankees to win the division. Okay. I, I think I mean, losing, I, I don't necessarily disagree. I, I just losing Charlie Morton and Blake Snell from that rotation 
Um, I, I mean, I think best case scenario out of those four pitchers that I mentioned, you get to replace one of those two guys production. I do not think that that any combination of those four guys that they brought in replaces both Charlie Morton and Blake Snell. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like I said, they just somehow they find a way every year. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, this is presumably the year that that we're going to see highly touted prospect Wander Franco come up and 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 make some waves in the big leagues. Man, uh, I've got to get to Durham before he gets called up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that that's that that's appointment baseball. You got to get out and see him. I mean, how often can you say that you got to see the number one prospect at any given point? I mean, they've got him. They've got some dude named Randy. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're gonna be a good team, no doubt. I, I'm I'm still taking the Yanks though. Yeah, I, I I could I could see it going either way. All right, and to wrap up our uh, our reviews of the off season, we are moving to the National League East, and we're gonna start with the last place Washington Nationals. From 2020, they finished with a 26 and 34 record, uh, and managed to bring in names like Alex Avila, John Lester, Josh Bell, and Kyle Schwarber. Uh, but lost guys like Michael A. Taylor, Asdrubal Cabrera, Sean Doolittle, Kurt Suzuki, Adam Eaton, Howie Kendrick, Anibal Sanchez, Eric Thames, and Brock Holt. Uh, I'm still not convinced the Nationals are going to be any good this year. I, I don't I, think they are, but at the same time, I I really like these moves they've made. They're um, they're they're interesting and they're neat moves, but well, they moved on. I, I think more importantly than who they brought in, they moved on from a lot of guys that they needed to move on from in order to take the next step forward. And that step might not come this year, but but I think they've positioned themselves to move in the right direction. Maybe, but the thing is, like. John Lester is inconsistent at best now. Kyle Schwarber' career has always been inconsistent at the plate. Josh Bell had a one really good season and since then has been inconsistent at the plate and is a defensive liability at first. I am just not convinced that these moves help help them help make them any more competitive than they were or were not last year. Oh, there's certain I, I don't expect them to be competitive this year. And that, and that's not what I'm saying. I, I think the the way those names you just mentioned prove my point is that those were all pretty short term deals, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, they were. They were. So so they're in they're now in a position to be able to to develop a farm system and 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 have some money to spend when they need to spend some money. Um, they're, they're not well, there. They, they're not there right now. And they're not going to be there in, in the next 162 games. But I, I think the, the, they got their world series. So, so the, we, this is the beginning of the rebuild. It is, it is interesting from a money standpoint to think about where exactly they're going to go because don't they have Trey Turner and Juan Soto coming up in the same year? Uh, that sounds right. 
And those are two guys you cannot let go. I think you pick which one you like the best and keep and do what you can to keep them because I don't know if you keep both. I I'm not even totally convinced that they keep Juan Soto. I'm really not. Wow. I I mean consider how much money he's gonna be worth. You know what I mean? I I think, man, when when y'all see the deal that Juan Soto is gonna get. You are going to you're going to go to Lowe's. You're going to you're going to buy some some quick creep and you are going to fashion a statue of Alex Anthopoulos to put in front of your home for the contracts that he got Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ozzy Albies to sign. Hell, Marcelo Zuna, for that matter. And Marcelo Zuna. My God. Yeah, I. Yeah, I, I think they're able to re-sign Trey, but I'm not convinced that they keep Soto. Man, I, I honestly, if you keep one of the two, you got to keep Soto. I know. <laughs> I don't disagree. And and I hope they do because I, I think the contract that he's going to get would completely handcuff the team for, for a, the better part, if not more than a decade. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're you're talking about a like a Cincinnati Reds situation when the Joey Votto contract. You know I mean, what I mean? Like, look at look at what Fernando Tatis Jr. just got. Yeah, Juan Soto's way more proven than Fernando Tatis Jr. And indeed, I, and I think they're around the same age. I mean, we're we're not far off from. And we might actually be there. We're not far off from considering Juan Soto to be the best pure hitter in in baseball. We are not there, but we're very close. Yeah, I'll, I'll never say he's the best well-rounded player because he's you know still a defensive liability. But I you know you, you can't argue against the numbers that he puts. Like he he gets on base, plain and simple. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. We, we'll, we'll see. The, the Nationals have an interesting two or three years ahead of them. They really do. I I think if if everybody on their team plays out of their mind, they could be somewhat competitive this season, although it's incredibly unlikely. Uh, I think the, the couple of seasons following, it's highly unlikely that they're very competitive. This is a team on the way down, and I... I I, I think they have to go full rebuild. Yeah, I think we're getting close. All right. Well, moving on to last year's fourth place finishers, the New York Mets finished 2020 with a 26 and 34 record, made a ton of moves, brought in guys like Taiwan Walker, Jonathan Villar, Albert Almora Jr., Jerry Blevins, Trevor May, Jose Peraza, Malik Smith, Arotis Vizcaino, Francisco Lindor, Carlos Carrasco, and Jordan Yamamoto. Most notable notable losses for them were Steven Matz, Ahmed Rosario, Ioannis Cespedes, Rick Porcello, Michael Walker, and Jed Lowry. Man, that's a lot of money to spend to finish in third place. Woo, boy. Yeah, the, um... Yeah, I, I they made all these moves, spent all this money. I, I just don't see them being that much better. 
they're still one rotation injury away from having a a bad rotation. Yeah. Like they seem to be every single year. Yeah. I mean, Cindergard uh, is still a huge question mark. We're not sure when he's coming back yet. Uh, Degrom is Degrom. We you know what you get from him, but yep. you know you're you're talking about a guy that you only get to use every fifth day. I. They're going to be good. I mean, like, yeah, you know, let's not let's not sure. I mean, this is still, uh, I don't know, probably 85 to 88 win team. I mean, this is still a a fringe wild card team. Like, this is still going to be a very good team. I I don't think it's enough. I honestly see them winning anywhere from like 82 to 95 games. It's just it's just hard to see where they where they finish at this point. But to, to me. All these names that they brought in and how their team is built, it looks like they've got a team built to sell tickets rather than a team built to win divisions. Yeah, I can see that. I I, I could definitely Cause, agree. Because man, you're gonna you're gonna sell a ton of Francisco Lindor jerseys. Oh yeah, you absolutely are. Especially if you get that uh, extension signed in the next few days. That's getting floated around out there. How'd you like that run of old friends with uh with with Malik Smith and Arodas Vizcaino in there? Man, Vizcaino. I didn't I, know I didn't know he still played baseball. I thought he was it. Like <laughs> for a little while I thought that dude was it. Oh, he was. For 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 about five minutes he was the dude. He was, yeah. Yeah, and then nope. Yeah, that'll be good. I uh, second or third place, I think. Yeah. I, I they'll they'll do better than last year. I'll yeah. give them that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Moving on to a team that won't do better than last year, the <laughs> Philadelphia Phillies. <laughs> oh mercy! Ah, <laughs> uh, the Phillies finished with their ninth consecutive sub five hundred season. Finishing in third place with a 28 and 32 record. Uh, they lost Brandon Workman, Jake Arietta, Jay Bruce, and David Robertson and replaced them with Brad Miller, Matt Joyce, Brandon Kinsler, Yvonne Nova, Archie Bradley, and Neftali Feliz. Which one of those names scares you, Cam? Uh, I would guess Yvonne Nova just because is it Yvonne or Ivan? That 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 scares me that I'm not saying it right. I I always thought it was Yvonne. Okay, could be. His last name's Nova. That's kind of cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, didn't Nefta- didn't the Braves trade Neftali Feliz to the Rangers for Mike Teixeira? Mark Teixeira. Obviously not Mike. I thought Neftali Feliz was a singer. No, that's Nelly Furtado. <laughs> <laughs> Never, mind. Never mind. I'm like bird, wanna fly away. Oh God. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. You didn't bet on me knowing a Nelly Furtado song. <laughs> That's fair. I, I mean, their their biggest their biggest move this offseason was keeping JT Real Muto, but that's not a step forward or a step back. That's just staying where you were. You know what I mean? Like you right, did... this was a team that desperately needed to get better. 
and all of the money they spent was to not get worse. Yeah, yeah. See, they, now, they... now, now, a lot. Now, the parallel people will make is that the Braves spent a bunch of money on on uh, Marcelo Zuna to not get worse. The Braves didn't need to get better. <laughs> I, I would argue the Braves got better though because we we fixed the starting rotation. If you look, if you look at the starting rotation from last year versus this year, this year is better than last year because we actually have a starting rotation this year. It's a, that's a fair argument. I got really worked up right there. Really did. I kind of liked it. The the and uh, any any anti Philly energy, I'm all about. Oh uh, man. Well, if you have anti Philly energy, stay tuned to the end of the show because we have a little sneaky peek for you. Oh boy. All right. Uh so the Phillies finished third place in 2020. I I don't think they finish in third place this year. I think uh, we're talking about a fourth if not last place team. Yeah. Um yeah, I they're they're not they're not going to be <gasps> any better than they were last year. They they're really not. And it's it's wild to me. Like it is just so crazy to me because if you had told me was it two years ago now that the Phillies signed Harper to that big project and appeared to actually like be going for it? If you had told me that this is a team that's going to be like a fringe third or fourth place team, I may not be doing this podcast right now because I might have died from laughter because that is, <laughs> that is genuinely hilarious to me that they did all of that to do so little. <laughs> Can you tell that I really don't like the Phillies? Like, <laughs> I've been relatively nice to the other teams so far. Ugh. How do you really feel about the Phillies, Cam? Fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that's what I was going to get, but I had to hear it anyway. Uh <laughs> All right, next. <laughs> I'm just gonna uh, sit here and keep getting more more angry about him. Just move on. I'm I'm so here for this. Uh, moving on to one of the bigger surprises in all of baseball in 2020, the second place finisher Miami Marlins finished above 500 with a 31 and 29 record, and actually won the wild card series in the postseason before losing in the NLDS to the Braves. Uh, they brought in old friend Anthony, or sorry, Adam Duvall, uh, brought in Anthony Bass and Ross Detweiler, um, lost Jose Urania, which none of us are going to be sad about, uh, Francisco Cervelli, Brian Boxberger, Matt Joyce, and Brandon Kinsler. Um, the Marlins are a tough one. Um, they, they certainly reap the benefit of a shortened season last year. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, they took two out of three, or, or they swept the Cubs in two in the wild card series, but then, you know, they the Braves swept them in the divisional series. And I don't necessarily know if they, yes, they're a year older, which for a young team is a good thing because they they are a young team. They have a lot of young players on that team, um, a very young rotation. I, I just I'm not necessarily convinced that the moves they made make them better on paper. So I think at 
best they're a third place team in the division. I don't expect a second place finish from them this year. I I really do think second place is going to the Mets. Um but they're still going to be a very tough team to play as we saw last year. Um I'm not going to be shocked if they take two out of three from us at some point during the season. That's bound to happen cuz they're they're just going to be another they're just going to be a pesky fast on the base paths, you know, kind of team. I fully expect Adam Duvall to kill us every time he's at the plate because that's just what happens. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the Marlins are going to be good. I don't necessarily think they're going to be good enough to make the playoffs again, but they're going to be that team that, you know, you're not necessarily going to look forward to playing against like you used to. Yeah, I I, I struggle with the Marlins because I, I I really liked the the way they played last season. Um, they, they were super impressive team. Um, their rotation is, is starting to turn into something very scary. Um, I, I, I just, I just don't know if that was more them, uh, benefiting from the shortened season or, or if that's actually a sign of things to come. Uh, I, 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 I don't know what to expect out of the Marlins this season. I, I will say there. I think the first series that Atlanta played against uh, Miami last year in Miami, there was the Friday night game where the Braves just looked so out of that game it wasn't even funny, and the Marlins were just running all over us. They were they were just stealing bases left and right. Um, there was a double steal at one point where we threw down to second, and the guy on third immediately stole home, and we just looked completely befuddled by that and I remember having this thought of you know what this kind of baseball for the Marlins works where they might not necessarily have the power to put up big numbers on the scoreboard they're going to find ways to score against you and it's going to hurt your feelings when they do (laughs) very well said I like that yeah um Again, I just don't know what to expect from this team. I could see the Marlins finishing in second place and threatening for the division again. I could also see the Marlins finishing dead last and not doing anything. So I, I, I got nothing here. I have, I have no prediction for the Marlins. Yeah, I, well, like I said from now, from the get go, this is going to be a hard team to kind of predict but i think if you're a marlins fan that's exciting you don't necessarily know what's coming like you know that you can be good um so i i think this is going to be a fun season for that for that crowd yeah i i mean uh from from what i saw just from interactions with marlins fans on twitter it seemed like they were they were ready for and expecting the marlins to make bigger moves this offseason yeah yeah um, i can see that they they brought in a new gm who they thought would be more highly motivated to make immediate moves than than she actually was um and and you know at the end of the offseason marlins fans just seemed fairly dejected so i i don't i don't think they know what to expect either yeah i it's gonna be interesting they're, they're gonna be a really interesting team to watch for sure. And moving on to the best team in the world, 
the first place Atlanta Braves. Finished 2020 with a 35-25 and 25 record, only losing in the NLCS to the Dodgers in Game 7, as we all know. Had some new names in town, bringing in Jason Kipnis, Nate Jones, a name I'm going to butcher, Ahire Adrianza. Ahire Adrianza. Was I, was I close? Is that how you say it? I think so. Awesome. All right. I, I, I've heard his last name a thousand times on radio. I just, I've never paid attention to his first name. But I've heard Ben Ingram say Adrianza quite a bit, and that's great. E-hire. Yeah, uh, <laughs> brought in Charlie Morton and Drew Smiley, as we talked about before. Also brought in Abraham Almonte and brought back Marcelo Zuna. Uh, departures included Jeremy Walker, Charlie Culberson, Tommy Malone, Adeni Hecavaria, Cole Hamels, Felix Hernandez, Mike Fultonavich, Darren O'Day, Mark Melanson, Adam Duvall, and Shane Green. Shane Green, I should mention, still a free agent. Nobody wants him, apparently. Uh, uh, as is uh, Cole Hamels. Well, it's expected that nobody wanted him. Uh, I thought somebody would have picked him up by now. I I, I think with Sh- I think Shane Green just maybe thinks a little too highly of himself. And that's that's got to be it, right? Like, like overestimated how much he was going to be able to get on the open market. Uh, him and his agent have played a very dangerous game, and it looks like it's biting them in the butt. It really um, is, because the, the Braves have, it's, it's, it's still weird to say this after the way 2020 went, but the Braves have such starting pitching depth that I'm not worried about the bullpen, because all of, yeah, it, all it's, of it's the a, guys who aren't going to be able to get into the rotation can just go to the bullpen. It's a, I mean, yeah, it, it's definitely counterbalanced itself for sure. And this is still a very good bullpen. Like, don't don't think just because we lost O'Day, Melanson, and Green that this bullpen is worse for the wear. Are they as good? Probably not. Are they still a good bullpen? Absolutely. And spring training has shown that this year. Um, Will Smith looks back up to form. Uh, Luke Jackson has had a couple of bad luck outings, but he looks like he's snapped back. Tyler Matzik walks out to the mound with it just dragging. Um, <laughs> AJ Minter uh, is just finding it. I I think that the bullpen is going to be really good. And then we've got plenty of young arms to supplement into the bullpen when needed. I, I, I'm, I'm going to sound... This is, gonna... is going to sound strange. Okay. But I, I think it this was an a very, very important person to re-sign, even though he's going to play a relatively unheralded role in the bullpen. Uh, bringing back Josh Tomlin yes! was huge. Like, yes. So guy, when 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 things go wrong for your for your rotation and they will, no matter who your rotation is, you're going to have games where they give up a bunch of runs early and you got to go to the pen in the fourth or fifth inning. Having a guy like Tomlin who can come in and give you three or four innings out of the pen, allowing maybe one or two runs. Yeah, that's not going to light up a stat sheet, but that is wildly important for the success of a team with World Series aspirations. 
And and Tomlin's a guy that understands that role too for himself. Yeah. Like he he understands that his job is to go out there and take it on the chin, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But it's important to have that guy. Um, I know that uh, we didn't bring up Tukey, but uh, Tukey's going to be out for a little while with an injury. Um, I think he's got some shoulder discomfort, but uh, Tukey, you know, is going to be a viable bullpen piece. Um, Sean Newcomb, who has just, especially in spring training this year, I know we saw glimpses of it last year out of the bullpen. Newcomb looked a lot better, especially with his fastball command. But in spring training this year, out of the bullpen, Sean Newcomb has been stellar. I the bullpen's going to be pretty dang good. And then, you know, you're talking about an offense that relatively hasn't changed. Um, I think I said it either last week or week before that, sure, we've got a ninth hole, you know, near automatic out with the pitcher batting again. But guess what? So does every other National League team. So you look at your one through eight. We're still just as potent as last year. Uh, you're going to have Christian Pache in the outfield now lighting up the the highlight reel as we've already seen in spring training this year you got the protection behind freddie with marcel ozuna that you needed desperately to come back well he's back and we've got him for several years to come in short of trying to sound overly confident about this team i think for the first time in a very long time we can look at this braves team and go into any series throughout the regular season and say there is no reason for us to lose this series which is a scary place to be. Yeah. It, it, because over the last three seasons, the we have had the luxury uh, of a Braves fan base of playing with house money. Pleasant surprise. Well, we're not playing with house money anymore, guys. Nope. Uh, this this is this is it. This we are in our window. Yep. Uh, the window that we've been talking about for for four or five years. Goodness gracious, like we. We've got we've got uh, several years uh, of that window being open, but we've got to get something done. Um, so so, you know, that's going to mean higher heart rates during the regular season. That's going to mean uh, pressure cookers towards uh, towards late September. And as we get into the early stages of the postseason. But. Good Lord, is there any National League team short of the Dodgers more ready for uh, for a World Series berth than the Braves, I, I I mean we look at this team. They are this team is built like an American League team. If we can get into a World Series, we have as good of a of a batting order as anyone we're gonna face. Get into a, get into a World Series. Move Marcelo Zuna to to DH. Uh, bring up wh- whether it be uh, whether it be Waters or or Kazmar if he's still playing well someone else to fill that outfield spot. This team is scary good from 1 to 9. I think you put I think you put Riley in the outfield and you put Sandoval over at third. Panda season. Let's go. I, I mean, it, and and Pablo Sandoval has played really well during spring training. I mean, say what you yes. want about the guy, but he's batting like over 400 I think in spring training. Like there are so many he, names that you would never have expected to be to 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 pop up during spring training that that have whether it be uh, Adrianza or or Kazmar or Sandoval or or any number of guys that it, that are just surprising the hell out of us. I, you know, I, I think it's it's fair to say that the 
the bench isn't necessarily as potent as it's been in years past, but I think it's serviceable enough to, to get you by. You know, I think that we did get spoiled with having Adam Duvall on the bench who could come up in the eighth inning and hit a three-run tater at any given moment. But, you know, if in the eighth inning, if the pitcher spot is coming up, you've got two on, I feel perfectly comfortable with putting Pablo Sandoval up there to give us a a two-run double. You know, he probably doesn't have the power that he used to, but the guy, if he can still hit, then so be it. Um. So I don't, you know, the bench might not be as flashy as it has, has been in the past couple of years, but I think it's still serviceable enough. I couldn't agree more. So I, first place, I, you know, anything short of first place in the division is a huge disappointment. Um, and then I, I, I hate to say it, guys, because uh, this is this is not the type of fan that I like to be. This team has to make the World Series. I do this... not I I do not want to experience the next offseason if this team doesn't win the National League pennant. <laughs> I'm scared of what of of what Braves fans on the internet are going to be like. You know, it it's so it's so funny that I I remember a couple of years ago um you know, chatting with both of my brothers-in-law who who are both Big Braves fans, right? And we, we talk about baseball all the time. And the older one, who, who's a bit older than me, made the comment that, you know, I feel like they're, they're really starting to build something. I feel like they're close. But the one comment that we kept making to each other was, it feels like they need that front of the rotation guy. Like, And, and we're talking two or three years ago. We, we feel like they need, you know, that sort of guy that um, – I feel like, you know, like a Garrett Cole or, you know, somebody top of the road. Well, we got three of them. Yeah. So (laughs) it's funny. It's funny how time changes, how all of a sudden you look at this team now and you feel more comfortable with your rotation after you sign two veteran guys for the back of the rotation than signing some headline guy for the front. You know, yeah. what What does that say about your player development that all of a sudden you have the faith in your younger guys, your one through three, that you look at the rotation, you say, well, we need a couple of solid pieces to hold down the forward on the back end, but otherwise we're set. Love I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about a situation that within the next few years, you're going to look at Freed, Anderson, and Soroka and kind of toss up, all right, who's going to win the Cy Young this year? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we have we have a legitimate rookie of the year and Cy Young candidate in the rotation and they're different guys. And Soroka could come back and be comeback player of the year. And we could we could have a rotation with a Cy Young, a rookie of the year and a comeback player of the year. Good Lord. I don't like getting this excited in the preseason, but damn it, I am really excited about this season. Uh, Charlie Morton didn't allow an earned run all of spring training. Uh, Drew Smiley struck out everybody and their mama during spring training. I, uh, again, not uh, to echo your your thought, not to try to be that fan, but like. I keep I'm starting to feel like this has to be the year and not saying it in the sense of 
well, if we don't make it this year, then that's it. But, like, this this is as good of a chance as any. It is. It is. I mean, let's, we're, let's... we're, we're one, we're one starting pitcher away last postseason from getting to the world series. And I will go to my grave saying that. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you at all. So it's going to be fun. Let's go win a world series. Let's do it. But Hey, to do that, we have to actually start the season. So Alex, opening days this week. Yes. Finally, finally, finally. So, opening series that we're going to preview is in Philadelphia. Uh, as of right now, we are hoping and praying that the weather turns out better than the current forecast predicts for Thursday, because boy, oh boy, does it look gross in Philadelphia on Thursday. It's always gross in Philadelphia, but um, what Cam means is that it's going to be raining too. Um, with with like a slight chance of snow too, right? Is it really? Maybe I don't know. I, I know it's going to be like in the 40s at least. Um, it it it's going to be in the 30s in Atlanta on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be in the um, 50s here. But. So yeah, so so whenever the first game ends up being, whether that be Thursday or hopefully at the worst Friday, uh, we're looking at Max Freed up against Aaron Nola, which uh, I I think is is what you would have expected at any point during the offseason. Oh, yeah. Um, if the game does get played on Thursday, then the team will have Friday off because baseball is terrible at scheduling things. Uh, and then the second game of the season will be on Saturday, and we're looking at Charlie Morton taking the bump as the number two pitcher up against Zach Wheeler, followed by the Sunday afternoon matchup of Ian Anderson against Zach Eflin. <laughs> oh my god we're gonna score 47 runs on eflin i uh i like our chances in this series <laughs> oh my god it, we're 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 going to win at least two games um i'd be far more surprised if we didn't sweep the the whole series against the phillies and, and that's what i'm saying like we're at the point now where there's not a series that we shouldn't go into not expecting to win. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like even so if you look later in April, we have a two game series against the Yankees um, on April 20th and 21st. But even then, I think you look at those two games and you say, you know what? We ought to take at least one of those two. Whereas two or three years ago, we might have said, oh, God, I hope we can take at least one. Um, I watched a game last year where Ian Anderson, in his major league debut, outdueled a three hundred million dollar pitcher. He did, and that was my second favorite game of the season last year. That was God. That was incredible. That was incredibly fun. <laughs> so yeah, I I agree. I think we take two out of three, if not sweep. I I think Freed is gonna be jacked up to get that opening day start and oh, i think yeah. i think dude is just gonna go on a tear um like i said morton's been solid i i think that he'll at least very well keep us in the game zach wheeler we never know what to expect from him sometimes he shuts us down sometimes we run up on him i you never know and then sunday anderson and eflin i expect fun things from that that's gonna be a good one for sure 
indeed. All right, Cam, you got any housekeeping for us before we take it out? I do. So, uh, as always, if you would like to support this here fine podcast, uh, we have a Patreon. Uh, For just a low few dollars a month, you can receive additional content, as well as support this show that you know and love and keep the lights on, so to speak, to keep this thing going. Uh, If you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash chatting average to become a supporter today. Or you can also purchase a T-shirt. Hey, Alex, do you like T-shirts? I love T-shirts. I'm wearing one right now. Well, that's great. I'm glad to know you're wearing clothing while talking to me. Anyway, (laughs) this week, stay tuned. Because Wednesday night, the 31st, 8 o'clock, opening day eve, Chatting Average is going to be releasing some new T-shirt designs that we are very excited about. Um, we've dropped some hints at some of them across this here fine podcast, so if you feel so the need to listen back again to see if you can pick up on those, I don't know what's wrong with you, because who would want to listen to this episode twice in a row? <laughs> but, nonetheless, uh, keep an eye out for that. We're going to be dropping all of those t-shirts again on Wednesday night, 8 o'clock. Looking forward to that. Uh, we also have all of our previous designs still up on the store. You can find that at teespring.com slash store slash chatting average podcast. A lot of original great designs in there. Uh, check it out. We would love your support. And we're looking forward to releasing uh, those new shirts this week. Yeah. So that, that's going to do it for this week. For Cam, I'm Alex. We'll see you all next week on another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast to talk about baseball. Bye. With that, we've reached the end of the show. If you want to connect with the show, you can contact us via text or voicemail at 678-242-9408 or on Twitter at Average Chatting. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash chatting average. We'll see you all next week on another brand new episode of the Chatting Average Podcast.